Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. Hello friends, Trisha Goyer here, and today's podcast is coming to you from my laundry room. Yes, glamorous, I know, I'm in the laundry room because it's early morning and I don't want to wake anyone up. You know how that is, Um, but actually the laundry room is pretty empty right now, just because I haven't taken the time for everyone to bring their laundry down to me from all corners of the house. You know how that is, it's called denial, people. I just pretend that my laundry's done by not having them bring it in. Um, But I'm excited about today's podcast because I'm sharing with you two interviews with two amazing men. Now, these men are truly walking out their faith in one of the hardest places to do so, and that is Hollywood. I'll share a little about them both in a minute. But first, I have to tell you about the project that they helped to create, which is the new animated Christmas movie, The Star. So about two weeks ago, I was minding my business and checking my email, and I received an email from a publicist, and she invited me to a press junket in Los Angeles. Beverly Hills, to be exact, a press junket is the promotion of a product, such as a film, where media people gather together and interview the key players. So in this case, it was the cast and crew, and they just invited me to come out and be part of that, which I've never had that type of um, invitation before, so it was super fun. So they were inviting me to come and take part, and I was pretty impressed with some of the people that I would be able to interview. So I'd be able to fly there and fly home the next day, which is also important when you have a house with 11 people in it. Um, And this is not something usually an Arkansas mom does on a daily basis, fly off to Hollywood for the day. So, I mean, again, back to denial about all the laundry. I can fly out there and not have to worry about laundry for the day. But the only problem was I'd just gotten through with a very busy month. Um, October was packed. I had three different speaking events and I was gone a lot. I I told my family when I got back that I was going to be home for the rest of the year. We could just focus on the holidays and being together. So they were excited about that. So I really kind of didn't want to bring it up. uh, But I talked to John about that and he said, this sounds like a really good opportunity. And if the kids were on board that I should just go do it and we'd figure out um, who would homeschool them for the day and all that fun stuff. So the next day, I was thinking about talking to the kids about it and looking through the actors names and one name jumped out at me. Now I'm going to reveal who that actor is um, tomorrow on the next podcast. But I'm going to be cruel and say that my kids really think he's amazing. So cruel in the way that I'm not going to tell you yet. But he is one of my girl's favorite actors. They know his name. They love his work. They've seen him in different uh, shows and movies. And they also think he's really cute. (laughs) Which, if you have teen girls around, you pretty much know all the actors that they think is really cute. So I sat down with the kids and I started to tell them about the opportunity. I started to explain it and tell them that, you know, I would be able to go to Hollywood. And first of all, they just started getting excited about that. I mean, whose mom 
gets to fly to Hollywood and interview actors. So they're already pretty excited. And then I started um, to tell a little bit about, about the show, but they interrupted and said, what actors? Who would you can interview? All the important stuff, of course. And so I mentioned some of the actors and then I mentioned their favorite actor's name and there were screams. I mean, you could hear them for 10 miles away. My husband was up in his office working on a conference call and he could hear them very clearly. Um, They were like, mom, you have to go. That is so cool. I want to go with you. I mean, all the things that teen girls say. So not too long after I found myself in LA or in Beverly Hills to be exact, connecting with some amazing people, people who have poured out their hearts into a wonderful Christmas film. So on my blog, I have a long review of the star, but I wanted to tell you a little about it here too. So in the star, a small but brave donkey named Bo yearns for a life beyond his daily grind at the village mill. One day, Bo finds the courage to break free and ends up befriending newlyweds, Joseph and Mary. Yes, that's where the Christmas story comes in. Mary's kindness soon sets Bo on the adventure of his dreams. On this journey, he teams up with Ruth, a lovable sheep, who has lost her flock and Dave, a dove with lofty aspirations. Along with three wise-cracking camels and some eccentric stable animals, Bo and his new friends follow the star and become unlikely heroes in the greatest story ever told, which is The First Christmas. So I was able to watch my this movie with my younger kids. That was another bonus. They sent us um, the screener to watch ahead of time. So I was able to watch it with my six younger kids and my two grandkids. Uh, Clayton and Chloe were here. And the kids absolutely loved the movie. Um, so they thought it was adorable. It completely captured their attention the whole time. Um, they really had a lot of fun laughing along with it. So the story's told from the point of view, of course, of the animals. So friends, you have to know that there is some artistic license, but it's truly the biblical story. So there's that shows the angels visit to Mary. It shows her humble and obedient response. It reveals the relationship between the biblical couple, and it really brings their story to life in a way that children will understand. It highlights their journey to Bethlehem and some of the challenges of the time, which, you know, we read Bible stories all the time, and I think it is great for kids to just be able to see it, even if it's an animated cartoon, what life was like back then. They're the the wise men who are off to discover the king and their camels, which are hilarious. Um, Super fun. And it also reveals the dark heart of King Herod, who fears having his throne taken away from him. And I'll just jump in here also to say that there are some dramatic moments with King Herod. So younger kids, you might need to prepare them ahead of time that there might be some scary parts. Um, So King Herod truly is a bad guy and he has bad guys um, that are following Joseph and Mary. So again, artistic liberties, people, it's told from the point of view of animals. <laughs> so it's not going to be like the nativity story, which I also really love the nativity story, but it's animals, it's humor, it's um, animation, but it is really beautifully done. There's enough humor and drama to keep my kids hooked. And there were also some meaningful moments that truly brought the Bible to life, even for little ones. So it's also impressive talent that they gathered, which is amazing when you think about Hollywood and the type of um, movies that are out there, but that they would gather some pretty amazing people for an animated Christmas story. So the voice cast is led by Steven Yoon, who's Bo the Donkey, Gina Rodriguez is Mary, Zachary Levi's Joseph, Kelly Clarkson, Leah the Horse, Patricia Heaton, Edith the Cow, 
Um, Kristen Chenoweth is Abby the Mouse. Christopher Plummer's King Herod. Tracy Morgan is Felix. Tyler Perry Cyrus and Oprah Winfrey's Deborah. And those are the three camels. Um, so yes, Oprah was a camel <laughs> in this movie. Um, so let me think about this. Let's gather some of the biggest names in Hollywood to come together and create a film that will share the story of Christ coming to earth. That is why I'm behind this, that they would all come together to share about Jesus, which is the most important part of Christmas, as we know. So side note here, if you move beyond the inner workings of the Christian bubble, that you would often be surprised how many people do not know the Christmas story. And this has surprised me so much. I remember sitting down when I did my teen mom support groups um, here in inner city, Little Rock, we meet once a week and I would sit down before Christmas and of course want to share the Christmas stories. And we did it in different ways, whether reading from the Bible or doing some type of activity where they just heard about the Christmas story. And I was so shocked because I would be sitting there and talking to these young moms and telling them about Virgin Mary and about the angel's visit and um, God, you know, having this baby come into Mary and Joseph's response and all these things. And the girls are looking at me like I'm talking about aliens. I mean, they were just shocked. And one girl's like, Miss Trish, are you saying a virgin had a baby? I mean, and I was thinking we are in the United States. Of course, everyone knows the Christmas story, but I'm here to tell you not everyone knows the Christmas story. So if it takes an animated movie to help secular society first hear about the coming Savior, then I'm all for that. I truly believe that any way we can proclaim Christ's name and his mission on earth is worthy of our time and attention. And plus the movie's super fun. So all that to say, the movie's very well done and much appreciated. So kudos goes to the men that I'll be sharing the interviews with today. Yes, we're actually going to be getting to the interviews. So the star is directed by Academy Award nominated writer and director Timothy Reckert and executive producer Devon Franklin. And that's who we'll be talking to um, both of these guys. So I was able to meet Timothy in Beverly Hills. So yes, I'm going to keep throwing that out there. I was, I don't see, I don't get to go to Beverly Hills often. So I have to throw that out there. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about him. Academy Award nominee Timmy Re- Reckert is currently making his feature directing debut on The Star. So yes, this is his first full-length feature movie. Um, Timothy first drew attention with his film at the National Film and Television School in the UK. The film was Head Over Hills. is a short film about a long-married couple who have literally grown apart with a wife living on the ceiling of their house and her husband living on the floor. It's worth um, checking it out on YouTube. So Head Over Hills had a very successful run in festivals, which ultimately brought the film an Oscar nomination um, and an Annie Award for the Best Student Film. So Timothy's a graduate of Harvard University with a degree in history and literature, and he also obtained a master's degree in directing animation from the National Film and Television School. So truly, I think this is, we're just getting started hearing about um, Timothy Rickert. So I interviewed Timothy at a roundtable event with four other women. So that's how we had, they set up. We had this table. It was li- literally a round table. <laughs> they had microphones there, four of the actors, and then there was four of, uh, or five of us. So me and four other women. There was Latoya Dennis with The Motivated Mom, Jennifer Keita with Tanglewood Moms, um, Lisa Hendy with CatholicMom.com, and Deanna Evans with Fly Bo- Flyby Produ- Promotions. Sorry about that. Deanna Evans with Flyby Promotions. And I'll have links to all these ladies in the show notes. 
So you'll hear all of us asking questions, and I love Timothy's answers. It truly shows his heart for the film and his just desire to spread the gospel. So then for the second interview, I interviewed Devon Franklin over the phone. Okay, the truth is I was really on my cell phone in my 12 passenger van sitting outside McDonald's. So I was able to um, figure out a time between picking up my kids from therapy and then dropping my daughter off, Maria off at her um, job at this little pizza restaurant. And so I had this 30 minute window and that's when Devon was available. And so Maria went in with the kids into McDonald's and they were playing in the McDonald's playground while I was sitting in my van talking to this amazing uh, producer and author and preacher. Devon Franklin is really an all around great guy. So the interview is short and sweet and I cover a lot of things. So I cover the star, of course, we start off talking about that, but I also cover his new book, The Hollywood Commandments, which I'm also excited about. Um, The Hollywood Commandments does what no other book of its kind has done before. It teaches how to combine spiritual principles with secular strategies to create long-lasting, sustainable success, which basically means Devon is showing how the truths of the Bible, when you stick to them, can bring success and peace even in places like Hollywood, Um, and it's definitely biblically based. So with all this happening in Hollywood today, um, lately, which is just has been so discouraging, especially with the revelation of the inappropriate sexual misconduct happening in the film and television industry. I really wanted you to hear Devon's heart. So that's why I also cover the Hollywood commandments and don't just stick with um, talking about the star because it's such a timely time to hear from Devon and hear the messages that he's been saying for so long in Hollywood about we need to protect our hearts. We need to stay pure. We need to stick by the commandments of God. And that is what's going to bring success. And we see that so clearly that those people that had success, which is money, fame, attention in the world's eyes, um, it's coming out what is really in their hearts. And that is not bringing peace. It's bringing pain to a lot of people and it has brought pain for many years. So I just really wanted you to hear Devon's heart in that. So this was a very long introduction, but I just wanted to give you the behind the scenes scoop and uh, there'll be more photos again and the complete review on my blog talking about the star. But here we go with the interviews. Right, Devon Franklin has found extraordinary success in Hollywood from producing the new film, The Star, to co-hosting the, t- the hit TLC event series, This Is Life, to writing the book, The Wait, with his wife, Megan Good. So, Devon, I'm so thankful you're here today, and I was able to preview the movie with my kids, um, and they loved it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they loved it. And one part, I just have to tell you, so the part um, where Joseph and Mary are laying there, and Joseph just realizes what's happening, and he reaches over, and he takes Mary's hand, my kids gasped, because they were just so moving to them. We've adopted um, seven kids, and that moment where Joseph is accepting this baby it was just so powerful oh my goodness that is unbelievable so we loved it unexpected because i i wouldn't have thought that that would have been the moment but i love to hear that that plays we worked a lot on that particular moment you know just trying to get it right and trying to get joseph's response correct so uh i love i love what you're saying absolutely so tell me what drew you to the star 
you know, I really wanted to do, uh, you know, an animated faith-based movie. There hasn't been one since The Prince of Egypt almost 20 years ago. And I, I was just excited about, you know, really kind of bringing uh, this genre back to the big screen um, because so many animated films that have had themes of faith have been uh, home video releases since the release of Prince of Egypt. And so that was one of the, the ideas. And then also, you know, just the story of the star, you know, telling the nativity story, uh, the first Christmas from the animal's point of view, just really was a great concept. When I was an executive at Sony back in 2005, I was developing the script. So the opportunity now to get it made and bring it to the world just felt like the timing was right. It was wonderful, and I am just so impressed with the voice talent you had. I was able to be there just a couple of days ago when I met um, Zachary Levi and Gina Rodriguez, and um, there are so many wonderful people. You also have Oprah Winfrey, Christopher Plummer, um, Tyler Perry, Kelly Clarkson. I mean, how did you get everyone just to jump on board and get excited about this movie? You know, everyone was just in really in love with the concept. I mean, it was an easy pitch. I mean, the story of the nativity uh, from the animal's point of view. Everybody was like, okay, yeah, we're in. And uh, and so it actually was a very easy sell, and we're so grateful to have that kind of star power behind the star. And I think that everyone really sensed that this was a moment to do something historic. Uh, Hollywood has never made a CGI animated film based upon a Bible story to be released by a major studio. It's just never happened. And I think that uh, this idea was what really got the stars to want to be a part of it. And when you hear them in the film, as you have heard, I mean, they're great. They're really, really great. And each one just brings each animal character to life. Absolutely. It was so fun because my teen girls, their favorite is Zachary Levi. And they just got so excited. Um, and so, you know, to even get teenagers, I mean, of course, my little kids loved it. But teenagers, because they would recognize some of the voices. And I think that was so exciting for them to really connect um, with the story. And then they all got just pulled into it. And then so much meaning came out of it. Now, I know that it's not easy to be a Christian in Hollywood. So this is just one example of how you are just working to bring faith to Hollywood. But how do you do that on a daily basis? How do you continue to walk out your faith and really make sure you're making an impact? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I don't, I don't operate every day thinking like, okay, I want to make an impact per se, um, because, you know, it's very hard to do that. I, what I try to do is say, okay, how can I walk out what I profess to believe? Mm. You know, how can I be, uh, you know, uh, of service? How can I meet other people's needs? How can I be a good uh, colleague, a good partner? You know, those are the things that speak the loudest, I think, in any industry, especially Hollywood. So, for me on a day-to-day basis, that's really what I'm trying to do. And also continuing to just chart, uh, you know, uncharted territory in Hollywood. You know, there hasn't really been this type of path that has been uh, laid out. So I'm just doing my best to, to create a new path, to try and do it with integrity, do it with character, uh, do it with humility, and uh, hopefully as a result of those things, an impact can be made. Absolutely. And I think you're right. It's the day to day basis, just people seeing your character and knowing there's something different about you. Um, that's a ripple effect that I think we we're not going to be able to see right away. But hopefully that impact will make continue to make a difference. Um, and I know you have a new book called The Hollywood Command Commandment, and it's a spiritual guide to secular success. Um, so one thing that I heard you quote in there that said success is peace. Um, you know, in our world, it seems like there's so little peace. 
But I love tying into the Christmas story, how the angels declared peace on earth and goodwill to men. So obviously we're not talking about the end of wars, the end of fighting, the end of strife. What kind of peace is that talking about and how does that apply to your life? Yeah, I mean, the peace where, you know, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace where it's like no matter what is going on in my life, no matter what is going on in the world, I still maintain a sense of peace. I still maintain a sense of, of hope. I still maintain a sense of vision. And I think that, for me, is, is what I look at peace as being. Uh, it doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen to us. It doesn't mean that we won't go through challenges. Yet it, our response to those challenges can still be peaceful. In accepting what has happened, uh, so many things are out of our control. And part of peace is accepting it and saying, okay, this is out of my control. So only I can control right now is how I respond to what just happened. And so I think we can pra- practice a more peaceful response, not only to the things we go through, but to also dealing with others, especially others that may not agree with us or that we may disagree with, we can still be peaceful to that person. And so that's when I, that's how I describe peace, and that's why I define peace as success. Yeah, and I love the book. I love how it combines spiritual principles and secular strategies, which um, I, I just don't think it's been done before, and I just love how you're able to do that. So what tips do you have for someone maybe that's trying to balance their spiritual life and their professional life when there's a lot, sometimes strife, even in the daily interactions that we have with people? Yes. Well, you know, one of the reasons why I wrote the book, wrote the, book the Hollywood Commandments, you know, A Spiritual Guide to Secular Success, is to, to help the reader, the very reader you're describing, uh, have a manual on how to resolve and deal with these issues. And so, number one, I would advise them, you know, get the book. The book will definitely help. Uh, the other thing is, you know, one of the key tenets in the book that I put, the first commandment is called Your Prayers Alone Aren't Enough, and that's all about the value of praying and preparing. Uh, anything I pray for, we have to get up and then prepare for. And I believe that preparation is an act of expectation. And uh, we have to have faith plus works, which is alive. Uh, and we have to pray and do. So that's what the first commandment is about. And then the third commandment is about, uh, it's called you have to carry a crown before you wear one. And I do believe that too often, uh, you know, especially in this society of, of everyone wanting success right now, no one wants to work for it. No one wants to put in the process and the time. And no one wants to serve. And I, have, I, I believe that service is the key to success. And carrying a crown, we have to help others do what they are called to do, and one day, if we're of service, we will one day be served. And that's what I really wanted to put in the commandments as a way and a manual to help somebody, no matter what walk of life. The book is not for people in Hollywood. It's for people outside of Hollywood. I just took what I've learned from Hollywood to help the reader become more successful in their life. Yeah, and I love how you talk about serving others. I mean, you started as an intern to Will Smith, and now you're running your own production company, um, and that journey, like you're talking about, it's not easy. It's putting in the long hours, the, the dedication. Um, what do you hope readers take away at, when they put down the book? What do you hope they walk away with um, from the last chapter? You know, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, the last chapter is called um, Your Amnesia uh, is an Asset. And it's all about, the, I'm sorry, the last chapter, the second to last chapter is Your Amnesia is an Asset. But the last chapter is Your World is Smaller Than You Think which is all about how, you know, there is a shorter distance between where we are and where we want to be because the world is much smaller than we think. And in a small world, character counts. So the person that we are when we go home has to be the person that shows up at work. So my hope is that when people put down the book, they have a sense of of optimism. They have the knowledge they need to become the success they've already been ordained to be, and they have the motivation to go do it. 
um, you know, again, we have to have faith and works. And sometimes we have the faith, but we don't have the motivation behind the works. So my hope is that this book will bridge the gap uh, between where our faith may be, but provide the works part of it and the strategy for those works, as well as the motivation to go do those works. And I love that so much. And, um, you know, so much of your messages, whether it's through the sermons you preach and the messages you give, um, are about being the, the person with those that's able to reign in those passions, that is able to be dedicated, to have the, the spiritual strength to stand up. Um, and I love how this, the Hollywood commandments, just pull all that messages that you've been just giving so wonderfully in so many places all together in one book. And so I know I'm a fan of it. I'll be giving away some for Christmas. Um, wonderful books. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Yes, and it made me think of, um, I remember looking at a short clip that you were on with Oprah, with your lovely wife on the um, OWN Network, and you were talking about the importance of men and women reigning in their passions. Um, and I think everything that's happening in Hollywood today, um, this message, I mean, I'm going to be sharing it on Facebook later because this message is just one, I think that is so important. Yeah. And so what can you just explain a little bit um, just of that message that I know that you just believe in that, you know, we need to reign in these passions and become the people that, that God has called us to be. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because in um, commandment number seven, uh, you know, in the Hollywood commandment, it, it is you have to master the walk of fame. And what I mean by that is that, you know, as you gain more notoriety, as you have more success, uh, it's going to become a challenge because the more notoriety you have, it's very easy to edge God out and feed the ego. And I do believe that absolute power corrupts absolutely and that when we seek out praise from others, um, the enemy is always fighting for our praise. So I believe we were created to give praise, not receive it. And so when you look at what's happening, I don't believe it's just exclusive to Hollywood. I believe that when, whenever there's power that goes unchecked, uh, abuses are usually – are going to happen as a result of that. And one of the reasons why I wanted to write the Hollywood Commandments, one of the reasons why I love to talk to men, uh, is the issue of discipline. It's so important. We have to be disciplined. Uh, discipline is the key to destiny. Discipline is the key to harnessing destiny. I talk about this in the book. And as a man, it's really important to align our personal life with our professional life because so often we disregard our personal life. Oh, well, I can do whatever I want as long as I'm being successful professionally. Well, what we're seeing is that actually isn't true. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I go back to peace is success. And, and I do believe that we can find that type of peace through discipline, you know, through putting ourselves through a rigorous process to help perfect our integrity, help perfect our, our character, so that, you know, as we begin to find success, as we begin to come into greater measures of power and resources, that those things then don't become a license for the lack of discipline that we may have had in our personal life. So I'm very, very passionate about it, and I love to talk about it because I do think it's time as men to do the work, to get disciplined so that we can be who God has called us to be. Absolutely, and I think that that applies to women too, just being disciplined in our thoughts and in our actions and our service and our love to other, and about um, just humility, which going back to the star, I mean, so much of it is just the humility. And I was asking my uh, teen girls, we were talking about the movie, when we were making lunch today, I said, what was your favorite part? And one of my 14-year-olds said, Mary was so kind and she was so humble. 
Um, and I just love how this thread that you write about in your books and write about in the way to, you know, talk about, I mean, this thread of humility um, and submitting to God and of serving others just seems to shine through everything you do. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your support and just helping get the message of the movie, uh, the star and the book, the Hollywood commandments to the world. I, I greatly appreciate it. Now I have um, just one more question. What is on next for you? What is a year from now, if we were to chat again, what were you hoping um, that we would be able to see um, that you have been up to or what are you working on? Yeah, I'm working on my new film, The Impossible. It's basically another, uh, to follow up some miracles from heaven to a degree, it's a true story of an incredible event of a mother who prayed her dead son back to life, drowned mm. in a lake and was dead for an hour. And it was her prayers that got his heart beating again. And uh, it's a powerful story. The book for The Impossible just came out, so I'm in the process of beginning production on that film at the beginning of next year. And uh, we're looking, we're eyeing a release at the end of next year. So my hope is uh, in a year's time we will be talking about that film. Oh, I love it. I'm excited about that. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for your passion for bringing truth and hope to Hollywood. And um, I will continue to spread the word about the star and about the Hollywood commandments. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for all you do to provide a platform for people like myself to get their message to the world. Thank you. Uh, I'm really curious about adapting this particular story. So mm -hmm. I notice how true you stay to the biblical narrative. Mm -hmm. um, but kind of how did you fill in the blanks a little bit on some, like, for example, with Joseph, who doesn't say a word in scripture? Right. Uh, yeah, you know, there, there's not really paragraphs of character description. So we had to is we had to figure out who are these characters going to be, um, especially because when we write the lines, that's literally putting words into mm -hmm. Mary and Joseph's mouth. So we had to make sure that we felt like we knew who they were to the point where we're like, yeah, we could create new material that would feel faithful, even though there's nothing there in the Bible for us to adapt. Um, and uh, with... And there were specific clues that we that we kind of jumped off of. So with Joseph, the idea was if he was a carpenter thinking, well, maybe in this day and age he'd be like a mechanical engineer or something. So maybe he's the guy who's got like kind of a really organized mind and he's always planning and kind of get, putting things together in, in order. We have his tools completely organized by size. Um, you know, uh, so I, I think he's one of those guys. The interesting thing about that personality is that then he can, um, then he's got a journey to go on because he starts thinking, okay, I'm going to plan the perfect trip to Bethlehem. My wife's pregnant and I'm going to make this go as smoothly as possible. And then when they get there, there's no room at the inn. They're having a baby inside of a barn and so everything's falling apart and that's I think that gives him an arc where he has to learn to let go and trust that God is going to take care of things even if he can't take care of them himself it's kind of an interesting way to show like even someone who's very close to God like has room to grow uh, you know and then with Mary the, the it was kind of the opposite tack which is that uh, and I also think that it's more interesting in a film when you have a married couple that and it's also kind of more true to life when you have a married couple that's kind of opposite mm -hmm. opposite and complementary but very different <laughs> from each other you know uh, and so if that's Joseph who's always planning ahead I, I thought well maybe Mary's the one who's more open to improvisation and she she trusts she just automatically trusts that everything's gonna be fine God you know God's got the whole world in his hands whatever happens 
God is willing it. And she takes a lot of comfort in that. And it, to me, the jumping off point for that is just that at the Annunciation, when she talks to the angel, she's not saying, okay, and, and how exactly does this work? And is, is there like a 20 year warranty on this? You know, just, she just says yes, you know, to the angel. And, uh, and so trying to extrapolate from that an entire personality based on that attitude. And that, that actually gives Mary even a, a place to grow and learn because she maybe at first, at least in this portrayal of her, doesn't know that this journey ends with the cross necessarily. And I think that's, there's a moment in the movie where she kind of has an intuition that this may not be all fun, may not all just be fine, you know. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think there she, she also realizes, I mean, she says just because God has a plan doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Right. And that's kind of her, <clears throat> her area of growth. So trying to, you know, the goal was to, to create characters that were based on what we, you know, the clues that we have in the Bible that also gives each character an opportunity to have an arc. So that was kind of the, the thinking. Was was there a lot of ad lib in the movie, like with, with uh, Tyler and Tracy? Like, was that unscripted, <laughs> or was well, we uh, it's it's it depends on the actor, really. And so with Tracy, a lot of his lines are ad libs um, because he. It's, you know, the funny thing about Tracy Morgan is that you don't have to even write a joke. If he, he, he says anything and it becomes funny just coming out of his voice, you know, like, and so, uh, there's, yeah, there's one point where he, he says, she's crazier than a box of rocks. And I looked at the, at the guy who's helping me with the voice sessions, like, isn't the phrase dumber than a box of rocks? Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, we're using that, you know, cause like, who says crazier than a box of rocks? Tracy did. We'll take it. And so we kind of worked that into the dialogue. Now Tyler Perry says I think yeah, I mean, you mean dumber than a box of rocks. Uh, yeah, so what we do is we always start with what's on the script, and then um, if there's if it seems like well this is a line that we're not married to, it doesn't move the story forward. We always you know give them the opportunity to sort of throw out whatever kind of ideas come to their mind. Tracy, we definitely did that with, um, and. Uh, uh, um, Keegan-Michael Key was also a really big improviser in, in thing and uh, I mean the, the way that we do it actually is we take one line at a time run it a few times and in that in that process sometimes they come up with a way of oh, if I emphasize this word and actually if I build the whole line around this word and maybe just to and it's great because it's low stakes we got the version that's written so we can all, we can get 500 other versions too and pick it later you know and this is all done prior to any artwork being uh, well prior to the animation we what we do is by that time we usually have a character design so we can say here's what you look like <laughs> your little bird or whatever you know and uh, and then they can go from there so this is your first debut like film that you yes, directed right. mm -hmm. so tell me what intrigued you about directing this particular film as your big debut well, I, I think uh, the biggest thing to me was the fact that no one has made this movie yet. Uh, Which is fascinating. Right. It seems it really crazy it in does. retrospect that no one's made a feature film from the point of view of the animals because it's like so obvious in a way because they've always been there. They're part of everyone's nativity scene, but we, no one's told this story. And uh, w what excited me about that was that it seemed like an opportunity to do, to make a movie that could be a classic because when I was growing up, we had a lot of movies about Christmas, but the, you know, movies about Santa Claus, movies about the Christmas Carol, and all that kind of stuff. But none of them that that the kids wanted to watch were actually about the birth of Jesus. And this seemed like a way to do the story of the birth of Jesus, but in a way that didn't feel like Sunday school, uh, didn't feel preachy. Like we could use the animals to put all the comedy in and the adventure that we wanted without tampering with what Mary and Joseph were doing. So. Uh, 
Yeah, it just was like, oh my gosh, yeah, no one's made this movie. I could make a movie that no one's ever made before. And at a time when it seems like studios, you know, if no one's ever done it before, it seems like studios saying, well, that's why we're not going to do it, you know, and here was an opportunity to actually do something new. So that was exciting for me. Uh, That's super great. What are you hoping the audience takes away from the film? Well, we tried to build a story that resonated with I should say that the whole animal story is made up completely, right? So we had to figure out how are we going to ground this in the message of Christmas? And I think that's kind of how I'd answer your question, which is that to me, the the real message of the Christmas story is that when God chooses to do something great, he doesn't necessarily do it in in a way that looks great on the outside. Uh, Because here's a little baby born in a stable, not Jesus descending from the clouds, surrounded by trumpets and angels. And so Bo's story in some ways mirrors that theme because he longs in his heart to do something great and huge and important and he thinks that that involves being famous and having a glamorous life on the royal caravan but in fact it's just being loyal to his friend Mary who he doesn't know is doing anything important at all but he knows it's important to him so uh, so then by the end when he finds out that this humble thing that he's done is actually the most important thing he ever could have done I think that kind of drives home the theme of the Christmas story in general so for families I think uh, Bo's story is uh, really the story of a lot of us where we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves and do something important with our lives but for most of us we're you know whatever we're you know, a mom, a dad, fifth grade teacher you know a, a chemist, a janitor or for the kids we're the second grader doing spelling tests and it doesn't look all that great on the outside but I think for all of us the message is well where you are is where you're called to be doing something great, even if it doesn't appear so glamorous on the outside. So hopefully that's kind of what people can take away. Yeah. yeah. Great lesson. Yeah. I found it intriguing. It actually took me to see the film three times to actually catch with Bo, Boaz, and with Ruth, mm-hmm. and then also with David, mm-hmm. and that the three of them actually in the Bible are Christ's lineage. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if I put it. I knew that Boaz and Ruth are together, but yeah, that's funny. You're right. Yeah. So you taught him something. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was my question too. The layered mm-hmm. themes because um, we have ten kids. We've adopted seven from foster care. Wow. And the moment when they gasped was when Mary and Joseph are laying side by side. He just realizes that he's going to be a father, and he takes her his hand. And my little kids who have been adopted, this gasp just came because they realized that was the theme of adoption. There was an adoptive oh, dad, and at the end, my fourteen-year-old was literally bawling, thinking of Joseph being the adopted dad. So those layers of themes, I love how maybe you not even know that it's there but it's it's there what other themes have you like layered within the movie you yeah i hadn't thought of it that way but that is really powerful um gosh uh i'm not gonna have anything as good as that i don't think but, uh, <laughs> well there we go my yeah kids. yeah <laughs> there was like, yeah. no that's <laughs> wonderful yeah, it's like i mean and the, the nice thing is like i didn't have to think of that because that's in the story that exactly. you know that was there in the bible that's you know I, so i can't even take credit for that but that's very beautiful uh you know, I, I guess another aspect of it is is um, the fact that Joseph and Bo, in some ways, come together through their the fact that they both connect to Mary. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they both start out at odds with each other, but because Mary is important to both of these two characters, they realize that they you know that they have set aside their differences and work together yeah. um, to help her. Uh, so I, 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 there's something interesting there about just maybe about the importance of uh, 
you know, of family and the fact that like the, that web of connections really kind of keeps people together. I don't know, maybe something like that. Yeah. I love the redemption in the dogs. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, that's where I lost. <laughs> Truly, it was amazing. Yeah, it really was. It's such a testimony to the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so just that the, the talent that you have involved in this film. How was it as you know, a, a relatively uh, young in your career to yeah. work with an Oprah? Yeah, I know that it was intimidating for sure. Well, and Christopher Plummer. It's funny because like everyone, everyone, I would pretty much felt like okay, Keegan, I'll call Keegan. You know, Tracy Morgan, we'll call Tracy. Patricia Heaton, Patty, and then Christopher Plummer is like, I'll start with Mr. Plummer and I'll just let him tell me. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for him to say, oh, call me Chris, and he never did. So it's Mr. Plummer the whole way, so, you know. But uh, he was also totally great. All of them were great, and uh, and they played ball, so to speak. You know, they, they were very generous with their performance, and it's a weird job to, it's just like, like if you imagine this room empty, but still me in front of a microphone, and I'm I'm trying to pretend that I'm a dove flying around in a, in a canyon, you know, or whatever. Like, you just you have to use your imagination, mm-hmm. uh, and you have no other actors around you to kind of bounce ideas off of, you know, and feed off of. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so it's not an easy job, but they all were willing to go there, and and you know, Oprah, uh, like. Uh, I just remember one time we at one point we had to ask her to do a battle cry when the when the camels are charging the the soldier, and uh, and she just like kind of she closed her eyes and was silent for thirty seconds and we were all like, you know what's yeah exactly and then <laughs> and then she went, <laughs> she made this like huge sound that like none of us no one has ever heard from a, come from Oprah's mouth before and we were like oh my gosh and she was like don't make me do that again and we were like no we're good we're good that one's in yeah, thank you you know so. But yeah, they were all very generous. Uh, all the actors were so. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how you came up with Joel Osteen as one of the characters. You know, he's a friend of Devon Franklin's. Who uh-huh. so Devon is one of the executive producers, and uh, and he just thought you know it could be fun. We, we the funny thing about this movie is that all of the the main human parts, at least for a lot of them, they're actually tiny because we're focusing on the animals. And so in any other movie. I think he plays Caspar. Caspar would be like a big part, but it's but he had there were like four lines, and we thought you know it could be fun to do a little celebrity cameo. We have a few of those actually. Yeah. We have uh, Delilah plays Elizabeth. Um, Delilah, who's like a radio mm-hmm. personality, um, and then uh, oh, I know there's one more, but I can't think of it right now. But oh, yeah, Mar- Mariah Carey yeah. plays a chicken. <laughs> it's so, so weird. She like got really into. Okay, I'm going to do my chicken voice. You know, this <laughs> <laughs> Squawky chicken, but she doesn't sound like that when she sings. But it was, it was really funny. Yeah, her song is great. The yeah, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I was really happy with that. You know, the the schedule for the movie was really short, two years, and most animated films were like three to five years. So we really did it in half the time. There was no time to iterate on the music, which is what we call the process of like sending back notes and having a new version come back and, and just doing iterations on the song. So it was like. Everything just got put in right in the last kind of three weeks of post-production and it was like, oh, please let this all work. And I, I was telling Christine, the head of the studio, that it's amazing how it just felt like, you know, reverse footage of a pot shattering where like all the pieces go and it's like, oh my gosh, there it is. And it really, it like, I was so happy with the way the song actually fit with the picture and I did not expect that. I thought, oh, I'm going to just have to bite my tongue, but I love it. So yeah, I think it worked out really nicely. Okay, friends, what did you think? Did you appreciate Timothy and Devon as much as I did? I just love how God is using them in Hollywood. And I'm just so thankful that they are walking it out. They truly are walking out the gospel in one of the hardest place 
since there is to do so. Um, and so I just think that I really appreciate what they had to say, what they had to share and their heart behind it. So I encourage you to go check out the star and then um, on the next podcast, I'll be sharing more from a few of the actors. And I think you're really going to enjoy that too. Today's podcast is brought to you by the book, Walk It Out, the radical result of living God's word one step at a time by David C. Cook. So be sure to go and check out Walk It Out on my website, which is just trishagoyer.com, and you will see a tab there for Walk It Out. I would also love for you to connect with me on Facebook. So you can go to author Trisha Goyer on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm Trisha Goyer. Pinterest, Trisha Goyer. Twitter, Trisha Goyer. Any of those places, just put in my name, T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R, and you will find me, and I would love to connect with you. And so finally, like I do with all the broadcasts, I'm going to share today's Walk It Out scripture. And today is Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship, used with permission from Integrity Music.